Father, uh, we do come this morning, and, and Lord, I just, I thank you how uh, you just weave things together, how we're able to uh, sing these songs, Lord, and, and they're not just words, and they're not just songs, but they're acts of worship, and, and God, as we begin to move in that direction towards you, I, I thank you that those lyrics that come out, Lord, so intertwine with what we're gonna study and what we're gonna look at. And I pray today as we once again look at, look at a man, God, who was called into a ministry that, Lord, that I'm sure he never even came close to imagining that, Lord, it would impact our own specific lives. And even as we just announced about serving, how we know that, Lord, you didn't just call us just to save us and get us to heaven, but you called us so that we might glorify you in this life. So, Lord, bless this time. Open up our hearts to receive, Lord, and be glorified in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we're here, we left off last time in James, and we left off with James, and James said that he brought us forth by the truth of his word. In other words, we were born again by his word. Now, Paul is going to give his testimony, and in his testimony, what he's doing is he's defending that word, the gospel. And he's letting people know that the gospel is not something he made up, it's not something he learned, it's not something that was developed, but it was something that was given by God to him. And you and I need to understand, listen, man, we need to defend the gospel. If ever before, I'm, I'm seeing things now and in our generation, some of the things going on, especially with the internet, how things can get corrupt and the gospel can become perverted so quickly. And there's movements and stuff going on that are so close to the truth that to me it's scary because then they go off and they can train wreck you. So Paul's defending that. Now listen, what he was defending was a little bit more full-on attack. But what he's defending is not just the gospel, but he's also defending his salvation. Because here's what I believe. I believe if you mess with the gospel, you mess with my salvation. Because you guys might be good people, but I'm not going to go to heaven without Jesus. And if you mess with Jesus, I'm sunk. So those are fighting words. I am going to defend the gospel. And the same with Paul. So what Paul does is he lets them know the gospel that saved him and how powerful that is. And hey, I find it fascinating. I, I, think, I think one of the most powerful evangelistic tools that we have is our testimony. You know, there's the way of the master, there's the four spiritual laws, there's Romans Road, there's evangelism explosion, there's all of these things that you can go out and learn, but the most powerful thing you can do is give somebody your testimony and let them know that God changed you, you didn't change yourself, that God changed you. And that's what Paul, so we can kind of learn from Paul, listen, it's not long, it didn't take a long time to give it, and, and it's powerful, so once again, I want, I want to go back up to to 10. I know it said to go to verse 11, but 10 kind of, 10's one of those transitional verses that points to what he said and then points to what he's going to say. So verse 10 says, 
again that we read a couple weeks ago, for do I now persuade men or God? Remember when he said, if anybody preaches any other gospel, let them be cursed, let them be damned forever, right? And he says, so now who am I trying to, who am I trying to persuade, men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here's Paul, listen, he's saying, I'm not about a being a man pleaser, and I'm not part of some, you know, routine thing that we learned. I got my gospel, Paul says, from Jesus from a revelation of Jesus. I didn't learn it from somebody. Nobody taught it to me. It wasn't invented by man. By the way, the gospel, the true gospel, that Jesus Christ dies for our sin to save us and we, all we have to do is believe in him, man's not gonna come up with that. Why do I say that? Because as humans, we want something to do with it. Even, even, as, even as strong uh, evangelistic believers, we still have kind of that, well, you know what I did. No, you didn't do nothing. That's what you did. God saved you. God reached down and, and hey, that's what makes the gospel powerful. But on the other hand, it's hard to get our head. And, and Paul says, hey, I didn't get it from some man. I didn't, and he's gonna explain that. I didn't go to people. I didn't listen to people. I didn't learn it. It's not something I learned, which by the way, sometimes I have a hard time when we have to learn a system to sell, to, to sell somebody, to save somebody or sell them, whichever it is. Hey, be careful. Watch out. Paul says, hey, I didn't do that. And he says, listen, I, was, I wasn't even taught this. It came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now he's gonna spend time telling us how that happened. And Paul's gonna give us his pre-conversion life, really brief, his conversion, and then what is going on now in his life. It's gonna be really quick. The rest of this chapter, that's what he's developing. He's letting them know the gospel is powerful. Why? Because it changed me. And as we were singing those songs today, man, I'm always amazed how our songs interweave. And, and I've said a couple times ago, we don't communicate about it. You know, I don't call the guys up and say, okay, you need to pick these songs because this is what you need to do. If I ever request a song, here's what I do. If I request a song, I go, you know, sing that song. It's about Jesus. You know, that song. And they go, which one? The one about Jesus. Just find that one. And they go, okay, Pat, thank you. So we don't plan this, but isn't it great how it works out? That's the Holy Spirit working. So, so Paul says, listen, man, I didn't receive it. Now, here's his testimony. He says, for, in verse 13, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So here's, here's the guy who got saved. Let's think about that, and let's try and get our heads around that. Here's what Paul's saying. Before I was saved, I was trying to destroy the church. That's a heavy testimony. That is huge when you think about it. I was working overtime to destroy the church. For homework, if you wanna, if you wanna look at that, you can read Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter nine, and then in 22 and 26, he goes over that again about what he was doing. But remember, 
Paul was there when Stephen was martyred. I believe, listen, I believe he was in charge of that event. That's, that's my speculation because they were laying their clothes at his feet and they would lay their clothes at someone who's in charge. And then later on, he says, I drug people out of their homes to arrest them and I believe murder them. And then I was on my way to Damascus and a lot of us know that story. This is that guy, here's what he's saying, man. I was out to destroy that church. Now that sort of blows my mind. We think about, and I think about people who got saved trying to disprove Christianity. I, you know, uh, uh, guy, his name just pops out of my head. Thank you, Lee Strobel. Somebody's like, help them. Pat's struggling, I gotta help him. Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell, those guys who, who they worked at that and God changed them. That's one thing, but when in our generation or in, in the history of the church have we ever heard of somebody who murdered Christians being converted? That's huge. Imagine that guy coming to church. Think about, think about this conversion that happened to him, and he says, hey, I want to destroy the church. We'll get back to that in a minute. But then he says, listen, here's who I was. I was a guy, I was advanced in Judaism in, in verse 14, I was a Jew among, you know, I was a Pharisee among the Pharisees. Again, you can check out Philippians chapter three when he lists all of that stuff from the tribe of Benjamin. And he says, hey, I was above everybody. I sat under Gamaliel. I was the guy. And he goes on and on. And here he says, man, I was, a, I was in advanced in Judaism beyond my contemporaries and in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Paul or Saul, rabbi, he was about as sincere as you could get in Judaism. And it always bothers me when people say, well, they're sincere. Sincerity doesn't save you. You can be sincerely wrong. He was. He says, listen, man, I was sincere about this. I was zealous. I was on fire. As a matter of fact, I was so on fire that I wanted to murder Christians. I wanted to take them out. My goal in life was to destroy this thing called the church. That's huge. And he says, and I was defending, and here's what, here's what blows my mind. I was defending the traditions of my father's. You see, by the time of the first century, the thing that we know of as the law, the first five books of the Bible, God gave the law, and God didn't give the law with the intention of us perfectly keeping it, because there's 613 laws. I mean, that's a lot to keep track of, right? Most of us have a hard time with the top 10, right? We, we struggle with those, much less the other you know, 603. So you got 613 laws you got to keep track of. I think that's a lot. Personally, I think that's a lot. Now, there are some, there's some that are, you know, some that none of us would ever be tempted. Like, I don't know how many of us see, you know, a dead squirrel on the road and think, ooh, I'm going to eat that. You know, God said, don't eat roadkill. So most of us are good with that, right? Well, I'm not going to break that law. But he's got these laws, and then, but then what happened? By the time of the first century, you have the 613 laws. By the time of the first century, then you had volumes written on those 613 laws, trying to explain what they meant. And I don't think, personally, I don't think they're that complicated. That's what happens when you don't use a good uh, interpretation thing, you start doing that. So then they had volumes called the Talmud and the Mishnah. 
And so you end up with 50, 60 volumes to tell you what the 613 meant. Now, how are you gonna keep track of that? But here's what Paul says. I was zealous, not for the law. Did you read what he said? I was zealous for the traditions of our fathers. What was the very thing they were accusing him of? They were accusing him of teaching something man-made. You talk about man-made, the Talmud and the Mishnah? Man, they're way man-made, and I'm thinking, how do you come, how do you, part of legalism, blame somebody for doing the very thing that you're doing? That's called hypocrisy. So Paul says, hey, that's who I was, so let's think about that guy and our fellowship. And here comes a guy who he's drugged people out of church, put them in jail, possibly killed a few, I think that's fair to assume, and then he shows up for church. You gonna welcome him with open arms? You gonna want him sitting next to you? It's a big ask, isn't it? Once again, hey, it's one thing for somebody to get saved who, you know, who uh, uh, spoke against the church and went against the church. It's a whole nother thing for someone who's murdering people and wanting to do away with them for that guy to get saved. Now, I gotta imagine when Paul got saved, I don't think there was anybody more shocked than Paul. Right? And come on, man. He was like, what just happened to me? Which I think should be all of our reactions to a, to a degree. But it, listen, listen what he says. So he says, that's who I was. And then I love this. In verse 15, he says, but God. Well, he says, but when it pleased God. I love in scripture, whenever they're going along and they say, but God, you know something good's coming, right? Hey, this was me, but God. And something to notice is Paul is giving God all of the glory for what's happened to him. So he says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Here's what he says, man. I was doing my life. I was going my own way. But then God came and radically, radically changed me. Do you believe Paul? Most of us say, yeah, I believe Paul. Do you believe Kanye? It's a little question. He didn't murder anybody last I checked. I'm talking about Kanye West. Some people go out, who on earth is that? Google it. What planet are you living on? But listen, how is he? He's being rejected by a lot of the church. Why? Well, he couldn't be saved. Last I checked, Kanye didn't murder Christians. Didn't go in and arrest them. He's not one-tenth of the evil that Paul was. And yet, we have this standoff. We gotta be careful. Because, hey, if we're gonna reject Kanye West... Then everyone, then if you're going to reject him, you definitely would have rejected this guy, Saul. So Saul says, hey, here's what happened. God who called me, I love this, man. From my mother's womb, God called me. Now, some people get uptight with that. How could that happen? Because God's God and you're not. Pretty easy. And, hey, I think, I think part of what Paul's doing, I think it's true. I think, hey, when did your salvation begin? A lot of us say when I accepted Jesus. My salvation began before the foundations of the world. That's what my Bible says. 
Before anything was created, my salvation began. And all Paul's letting them know is, I didn't have anything to do with it. From my mother's womb, he chose me. I love what Spurgeon, Spurgeon says this. This is great. Spurgeon said, God had to choose me while I was in my mother's womb because if he waited till I'd been born, he would have never chose me. <laughs> kind of a thing to think about. But, but hey, from my mother's womb, Paul says from the beginning, he's got this comprehension of what it takes to be saved. And here's what it takes to be saved. God and his work in our lives. And I don't care how you want to formulate that and put that together, but if God is not the one who saved you, then you're saving yourself and you're in trouble. My God saved me. And Paul's saying, you need to know that. And he says, from my mother's womb, but here's what I loved. He says, listen, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, again, it wasn't anything I did, and then he revealed his son to me. Think about that road to Damascus experience that he had, and, and I think we all should have some kind of experience. I think there should be a time, and, and hey, we may not stamp the exact date on it. I can't tell you the date I got saved, but I can tell you how I got saved. I can tell you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of a strange one. I got saved late at night in my bed. That's how I got saved. And here's the crazy thing. It wasn't what people said to me. It was God revealing himself to me after what people said. You see, the day I got saved or the night I got saved, the gospel wasn't even presented what we call the gospel. It was some people giving their testimony of what they were doing in Mexico and the work they were doing in Mexico. And I'll never forget, I left that time and it was in somebody's house and I left and I went home and, and I thought, I don't know if I believe in Jesus, but those guys believe in Jesus. They're sold out. And that just kept turning in my head and I got in my bed and Jesus said, want to do it? Well, he didn't say it quite like that. But you know what, before that, I was adamant that that was never gonna happen to me. I was kinda like Paul. I was pretty sincere about not getting saved. A friend of mine, we were remodeling my house in Bisbee, doing the work, and I remember people were getting saved around us, a lot of people really saved, and we're going, this is not good. Like people are becoming real Jesus freaks, and we kinda, kind of like was messing with our heads. And we said, what is going on? How does somebody go from where we're at to a Jesus freak? How does that happen? And this is not a good thing, and we need a guard against that. We need a plan. And I said, you know, and I'm not gonna say his name. I said, you know, for me to act like those people, Jesus, we're sitting on some steps, we're building. I said, Jesus Christ would have to come and sit on this step and talk to me. Now here's what I think, I think when I did that, I think the Lord said, okay, it's on. <laughs> You're gonna find out. Now he didn't come, he didn't come and sit on the step and talk to me, I wish that was the testimony, but he did. Do you know what I'm saying? And he got a hold of my heart and he changed me. It was nothing I did. And can you imagine, can you imagine Paul, after he has that experience, he's going, what just happened? Like, I, I'm a Jew above all the Jews, and I'm happy where I'm at. I'm even really content killing these Christians. And what just happened? How can I start believing in the very thing I despised and hated with my entire being? And all he would hear was Jesus. 
So he says, hey, and then he not only, not only did he reveal his son to me, when he revealed his son to me, here's what he says in the middle there, verse 16, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul was not only called to salvation, he was called to ministry. And I believe that should be all of our testimonies. One of my, one of my sayings, God didn't save you to be a kumquat for Christ. I don't know why I pick on kumquats, but I do. He saved you for a purpose. And we all have ministries. Now, listen, having said that, it doesn't mean your ministry is always gonna be within these walls. I, although I think if you're attending here, you should help out. We have 230 positions that you could, you know, help out with. But it doesn't always have to be in these walls. I get that. But even, even that, even within these walls, it doesn't always have to be somebody who's always teaching or preaching. There's a lot of ways to serve that you gotta find out how God's called you and what he's done in your life and the way he's built you. And you need to be serving, you need to be involved. Here's what Paul says, I knew my calling the day I got saved. Now some of us don't know that, but I think we should have an idea and we should go in a direction. And Paul says, man, I did that. Now, now listen what he says. He says that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And then in verse 16, he says, hey, all of that happened to me, but I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor do I, did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now, in our minds, when we read that, when I read that, I think Arabia, and I think he went in like some far away place. Arabia was right next door to Damascus in what, what they would call Arabia in his generation. He could have just gone over a mountain and been there. So I don't want us to think he took some long voyage, but the next verse tells us after three years. Here's what Paul did. He got saved, and then he got alone with God. And I believe our most powerful time should be our time when we're alone with God, when he's speaking to our hearts. Now, I'm not discounting. I believe we should have teachers since there's the gift of teaching that's a spiritual gift and since there's the position of teaching within the church that God has given. But we also need that downtime. Hey, if the only, if the only Bible you get is here during this time, you're malnourished. You need to get alone. You need to, you need to get alone. You need to open your Bible. You need to have some conversations with God. And you know what? Sometimes let him speak more than you speak. And Paul went and got alone. You know, uh, guys go to seminary now and, and you know, they can get a, a, a MDiv, Master in Divinity, or a Doctorate in Div Divinity, and they get those letters behind their names. And, you know, it's supposed to mean something. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it just means they went to school. I kind of like, I think God gives out DDs, Doctorate of the Desert. Because he takes guys to the desert a lot, doesn't he? Paul's in the desert. Moses was in the desert. Uh, 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 David was in the desert. So think about that. I mean, get alone with God and spend some time, especially if you're not sure what you're called to. You know what? Get alone. Get serious with him and say, God, I don't know. It's, he's not playing hide and seek with you. He's not playing try and figure it out. He's not playing you gotta, here's what he's gonna do. He's gonna reveal it to you, but you gotta be honest with him. You gotta be open. 
I don't know, God, what I'm called to. And he'll show you. So Paul says, man, listen, I went and I didn't go to Jerusalem. I went to Arabia. Then I returned to Damascus. Then verse 18, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him a couple weeks, right? 15 days. And I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, he's saying something here that I think we need to pay attention to. I think when he showed up to Jerusalem, I think the only ones that would talk to him was Peter and James. A murderer shows up to church, a guy who's killing Christians, you gonna give him the right hand of fellowship? Pete goes, I will, I'm not afraid of him. I'm the rock. Hey, I think he was, well, read about that incident in Acts. What does it say? They pushed him away. Everybody, can you blame them? Come on. We're talking, about a, we're talking about a serious thing. And they kept him in an arm's length. Peter talked to him, and James, the Lord's brother, I kind of find that interesting that we're putting the two books together. And hey, if James had an issue with Paul, with, with, uh, Paul don't you think he would have discussed it right then and there? Hey, dude, you're a, you're, you're a crazy man. But they talked about it. They spent a little bit of time. Then they pushed him away. And then he says, listen, now, now he's letting us know, uh, verse 20 is kind of parenthetical. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God, I do not lie. Here's what Paul's saying. All of this stuff I'm telling you is the truth. I told you who I was. I told you how I was converted. And now I'm telling you where we're at now. So this is what's going on, and it's all true. And then he says, afterward, I went to the regions of Cilicia, or Syria and Cilicia. That's Tarsus. That's where he's from. Remember, in the book of Acts, he's sent, and he goes to his hometown, and he hides out. And then this great work breaks out in Antioch. And Barnabas is part of it. And Barnabas goes, oh, yeah, there's that guy. He came down to Jerusalem. That guy, Saul of Tarsus, and he changed to Paul. Yeah, I'm going to go find him. And he went, to, he went there. Now, here's the crazy thing. God called him, and he didn't do much of anything for three years. How patient are you? I mean, he went, out and he went out and studied, but I'm talking about getting on with his ministry. For three years, he didn't, you know, I'm sure he talked to people, but he went, he went and got alone with the Lord. You gonna wait three years? Some of us feel we get a calling, we wanna do it now, especially if you're me. Actually, if you're me, you wanna do it started yesterday. Three years, that's pretty patient. But then he goes to Tarsus, that's another seven years before he ever started the ministry that God showed him when he got saved. That's patience. That's waiting on the Lord. And some of us, listen, some of us do need to wait on the Lord and we need to see what he has for us. Here at, at Calvary, we have, you know, if you're, if you're attending, we want you to attend for six months before you get involved in ministry. And some people go, six months? That's crazy. And we go, but you're not Paul. If you were Paul, we'd make you wait 10 years. So we're giving you a break. 10 years before he did anything. So he goes up to Tarsus, he's hanging out there, and then here's what he says in verse 22, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea were in, that were in, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. So here's what was going around. Here's what was going around. Judea. That guy, you know the guy. 
because everybody knew him. On Facebook, he was called the guy. That guy. We hear he's preaching the gospel, the very faith that he tried to destroy. Now, I think there was some rejoicing, but I think there was also a whole bunch of, no way, not him. Can't trust him. Let's wait and see. Eh, 10 years is a good time. You see, I think it would be very wise of Kanye West to kind of hide himself away for a little bit, get squared away and get in some good stuff. He's not called and asked my opinion. If he did, I would share with him, bro, I think you need to like just really keep a low profile for a while. See what, and get grounded in the word and get grounded in your faith. He waited 10 years, Paul? I know when I was called, man, I was ready to go now. And God did some things in my life and put some obstacles because it's for Paul, he could just say, chill, and Paul chilled. For me, he had to put up barriers. You put on a road so people don't change lanes. And he put those things in front of me. But then he says, hey, the churches are talking about him. It is a blessing in some ways to be in the place where you were raised doing ministry. I share with you guys, I shared a couple times already during these studies. People in Bisbee, you go to Bisbee and you talk to some people that I went to school with. They're dumbfounded. They're going, really? Pat Lazovich. Pat Lazovich. And you guys are now under obligation to say, not that Pat Lazovich. <laughs> the new and improved Pat Lazovich. The one God changed. But people talk. I remember going the first time I went in a church, man. Some people literally said to me, what are you doing here? That's rude. Didn't wreck my faith, but it's rude. And that's how some of us feel. I believe if we were living in that time, I think a whole bunch of us would have a hard time with this Saul guy walking in our fellowship. And saints, it shouldn't be. Because I love at the end of this, it says, hey, that guy that formerly persecuted the church is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And listen to the end of this. And they glorified God in me. Here's what Paul's saying. Because Jesus is in me, and they're seeing the change, God gets the glory. And isn't that what it's about? When we share with people, when we do things, shouldn't it be that God gets the glory, not us? Hey, when you share your testimony, don't make yourself some kind of hero. Because some people do that. Some people, and, and some people try and tell you how bad they are. Notice Paul didn't go into details. I like that. Some people want to give me, sometimes people will come to me, you know, Pat, I got to tell you how bad I really was. And I go, no, you don't. I can imagine worse. You don't have to tell me. I, 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 I got this from Pastor Chuck Smith. People used to try and tell him, and here's what he'd say. Do these ears look like garbage cans? Like, I don't need that stuff. Listen, I don't need that stuff going in. There's enough junk in this head that's so bad that I don't need your junk in there with my junk. So you don't have to tell me. I understand you were a bad person. Why? Because you're a sinner. I get that. And, you know, I think it should be short and brief. Don't make yourself out to be some kind of hero of the faith. And, hey, if you're somebody who grew up in the church and then you 
came to faith and you, you owned your faith, God bless you. I think that's the greatest testimony. I think we glorify too much the evil coming. How about that person that has, you know, I, I remember Chuck Smith saying there was never a day he didn't know God because his parents brought him up in the Lord and then he made his faith real. But hey, what a great testimony. But every one of us has one if you're born again. You wanna see people changed? Give them your testimony. Share with them. Let's stand up and pray.